0: Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him,
1: and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. All right, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Strength to Strength. And um, welcome to everyone joining us early this morning and all of you also who will be listening to this recording. So, uh, this morning we have with us uh, Marlon Summers. Marlon is uh, coming to us from uh, southeastern Tennessee. And um, he will introduce himself further, but uh, he does—he's um, involved in a few things that you may be familiar with, including Anabaptist perspectives and also uh, Kingdom Channels. And uh, he and his wife and four children, like I mentioned, they—they uh, they live in Tennessee. So um, happy to have you with us, Marlon. So I think what we'll do here is uh, just open with a word of prayer. And then uh, we'll turn the time over to you. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your blessings. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We pray that you would be with our discussion this morning. Bless uh, Brother Marlon as he shares with us and give him uh, words to say that are uh, going to be beneficial to us and um, strengthening to our uh, relationships here and with you. Pray that you bless him and his work, uh, where he is um, uh, involved in, and uh, prosper his life, and may all of, all of us be uh, busy and in, in expanding your kingdom. So, again, we pray for your presence here with us today. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right. So, just a reminder to all of us that we will be looking for a question and answer period near the end. So, as Marlon is sharing, if you have any questions, we welcome you to jot those down and uh, we'll be happy to take your questions um, at the end. So Marlon, uh, welcome and uh, the time is yours.
2: Yeah, so good morning. Um, Yeah, thanks for the invitation. Um, Sure what I should say by way of introduction. Um, Grew up in Northwestern Pennsylvania, ended up down here in Tennessee originally for schooling, and I guess that put me at the right place at the right time um, to make some of these connections for uh, the opportunities to uh, work with my current jobs with Anabaptist Perspectives and Kingdom Channels. Um, It's not exactly that I set out to be at those particular places, but at the right place in the right time and I guess that's where uh, God has me now, uh, which are both. Yeah, definitely enjoy both of them um, with Kingdom Channels. I'm doing most mostly things that are uh, deeply behind the scenes, making sure we have newsletters to go out, um, working with the books and just a whole variety of that kind of thing. Um Anabaptist Perspectives is mostly the same way, um, but uh, the topic this morning actually came out of an essay that I wrote and put on our blog there at Anabaptist Perspectives. Um, So I've um, put this um, in a short presentation um, thinking about, I call it Managers in God's Household, the Second Side of Stewardship. Because one of the things I like to do is focus on especially pieces of Bible teaching that, you know, we catch one side but not the other or something. So I like to bring out the second side, uh, which we'll jump into here in just a little bit. Um, I also may make the presentation a little bit shorter than a lot of them on here, um, partly because I'm really excited to be able to have a little bit more... Uh, feedback or discussion Um, so we'll see how that goes Um, so I'm going to go ahead and load the screen here okay so the second side is stewardship And just outline this as basic concepts. In other words, I'm going to give you an outline of how I think about stewardship, and then basic exegesis. We'll look at a couple of the scripture passages that I think um, line it up. Basic implications and discussion. And depending where it goes, I may sprinkle a few more, you know, suggested applications in to the discussion period or whatever. Um, So what I've been struck with is the stewardship question has three questions. Uh, To whom am I responsible? That's our most familiar one. Um, Every time we talk about it, we emphasize that God owns everything. Um, For what am I responsible? Which is also, maybe we don't focus on that quite as much. Um, but we think about, okay, what has God given us that I'm responsible for? And that can be a long list of things. Um, and then the third question, I guess, is what I'm calling the second side. Um, to actually think about for whom am I responsible? Who are the people that I'm responsible for um, in a kind of, in a sense, a managerial role? Um So when we think about being responsible to God, okay, God owns everything. Um, God is the giver of everything I have, including everything that I can do or would want to do. And if I'm serving the Lord, um, Jesus is the master. Um, We report to him for everything we do, so it's all um, directed to him. Uh, for what? Uh, first thing we talk about usually is money, which is, is correct, but which is the piece that I'm going to talk about the least um, this morning. Uh, so possessions, um, abilities, um, skills, um, spiritual gifts, um, even opportunities that for whatever reason – uh, we may uniquely have are things that fit this category of things I'm responsible for. Um, as well as um, social roles, anything from being a parent to being a church leader to you know having a business that's functioning and you have employees, um, all of these things, feed into pieces that we may be responsible for. Um, And then, for whom? Um, One piece is fellow believers um, within the church or around the world, uh, people around us more generally, um, especially those under our charge in any kind of role that we may play as parents or leaders in any context. And uh, the people that God intends us to bless. Um, Okay, so after we'll zoom out um, soon to the scripture passages uh, where I wanted to pull this framework out. Um, But really the heart of what I want us to think about here is to think about stewardship much more broadly and really to think about it in terms of, okay, God has given me certain things, certain opportunities in life. And just, you know, all of those are things that I answer for. And he didn't give them to me, you know, by myself as a random individual. Um, He put me in the middle of a group of people at the largest scale, like, Um, the whole world, most of us probably have a hard time thinking about how we're handling anything that benefits the whole world. And that's good because we should be focusing on people close at hand and not something vague like the world in general most of the time. Um, But uh, there's something really exciting about that too, right? God has given you something that's intended for who knows how large to a community, but certainly starting very close by um, and working your way out. So basic exegesis, um, two words and a few scripture passages. Um, so the steward, as we typically call it, uh, the ukonomos. Um, so, typically translated, household manager, a servant manager, um, because in the New Testament period, this is often a slave who is in charge of the household, um, managing the household, the ukos. And when you think of the household there, uh, you think of an eco- extended economics, sorry, extended social economic unit. So, household could be uh, perhaps the nuclear family as we think of it today, but it's often going to have a lot more um, size to it. I mean, especially if you have a slave managing things. Uh, There's probably multiple slaves, there may be extended family. Um, The local, in a sense, it's the smallest unit of the economy. I mean, in fact, just um, by etymology, our word economics originally comes from this word, ukonomos, um, um, thinking of it was originally, it was the economics of the household. And then, of course, we expanded in our thinking now to the economics of a whole nation when we talk about it. Um, also, there's this picture of the church as God's household. Um, God, of course, being the master of the household and all of us, uh, maybe especially in local units. um, But the church together um, as fitting in as members of the household where God is the one in charge, um, but we're um, closely linked together. Okay. Structure. Structure. Um, so this is the parable that really got me thinking about the structure. So um, I'm going to read this and look for those three questions. Um, who did the manager report to? Um, what was he responsible for? And who was he responsible for? Um, Sorry, let me jump back. Uh, Who then is the faithful, wise manager whom the master will put in charge over his servants to give them their food allowance at the right time? Blessed is that slave whom his master will find so doing when he comes back. Truly, I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that slave should say to himself... My master is taking a long time to return. And he begins to beat the male slaves and the female slaves and to eat and drink and get drunk. And it goes on. Things don't look good for the slave who acts like that. Um, okay, but structure. Okay, he's responsible to his master. Uh, very specifically, he's given responsibility um, for the food allowance. Um if you look up a definition of you know the word ukonomos or steward it's almost always going to say somebody that's over the entire affairs of a household um but notice here that luke called him a steward um when he had this very kind of specific assignment um give them their food allowance so a certain set of things and if he does well he'll eventually end up in charge of all his possessions uh, which is how we think of a steward um, but it can, and that's important to me, right? It goes on a scale. So we don't have to think of being in charge of everything to think of being the steward. Uh, we just have to be in charge of of something that we have responsibility for. Um, and critically, he was responsible for a certain group of people. Um, at least in this aspect, he had a leadership role um, within the household where He's responsible to make sure that certain other people get food and that he's not sitting around feasting and getting drunk and being hard on everybody else. Um, His master had a purpose for the food and the drink that wasn't him getting drunk. It was the whole household um, being provided for and flourishing. Um, time and money uh, an important part of this but i'm not going to talk about it this morning um, bryant directed me to the one that david adams did here um, a few weeks back and i listened to that and he really does just a great job there of unpacking the parable of the unjust steward um, i think luke 16 and basically historic christian usage um, he had a lot of quotations from early Christian writers and more recent writers just unpacking the the time and money aspect of it. Um, But let's focus on, okay, what am I responsible for? One of those things is abilities or gifts. Uh, They're things that are given, uh, so First Peter, uh, chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. Be hospitable to one another without complaining, just as each one has received a gift, use it for serving one another as good stewards of the very grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as the oracles of God. If anyone serves, let it be as by the strength that God provides, so that in all things God will be glorified through Jesus Christ. Um, I, don't know, I find this passage really exciting um, because it, it takes really everything. Everything we have is given by God. Um, it doesn't require being in a certain position. It doesn't require um, dealing with a lot of money. It just says, look, you've been given this um, by God, and you're responsible for it, and the purpose is to serve each other, um, whether that is by giving a devotional at church or stopping in to help somebody with something or the whole long list. Um Or think about it in terms of things we know. Or have been able to learn and that other people should know as well. Um, So here is Paul talking about basically his uh, preaching or evangelistic uh, ministry. He says, so then let no one boast in people for all things are yours whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all things are yours and you are Christ's and Christ is God. Christ is God's. Thus, let a person consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of God's mysteries. In this case, moreover, it is sought in stewards that one be found faithful. Um, Okay. Zoom out here a little bit. Um, This is First Corinthians, the end of chapter 3, the beginning of chapter 4, and what's been going on in these first four chapters is Paul is really taking these people to task because they're getting hung up on, you know, okay, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, um, I'm of thesis, they're just kind of this partisan, okay, which teacher are we going to claim? As ours, and they're getting into fights over it. And Paul really look comes out and says, "Look, anybody that's a teacher that knows something, look, they're for the sake of you as the church. The point is, God gave them certain things. Um, in this case, the mysteries of God, you know, to bless the church. So we should think of these people as stewards." Um, They've been given certain knowledge that they can teach, um, but it's not for themselves. It's a responsibility for the present church and really in Paul's case for the the church that did not yet exist, uh, the responsibility of taking that um, to the Gentiles and to other Jews um, in evangelism. Um, okay, and then here's here's the piece I haven't heard us talk about nearly as much, but um, simply stewardship as a leadership role. And scripture applies it specifically to elders or overseers, bishops um, in the church. Um, so just summarizing a few pieces from Titus 1. Uh, In verse five through eight says, I left you behind in Crete in order that what remains may be set in order and you may appoint elders in every town. It is necessary for the overseer to be blameless as God's steward. Not self-willed, not quick tempered, not addicted to wine, not violent, not greedy for dishonest gain, but hospitable. And that list uh, keeps going on. Um But notice there that very little is said about, you know, what this person has. Um, Titus doesn't talk much about an elder needing to have specific spiritual gifts. Um, he doesn't talk much about elder needing to have a lot of money or something like that, although there definitely are lots of the qualifications that relate to, how he deals with money, not greedy for dishonest gain, hospitable and ready to share. Um, But best I can tell, the idea is this is God's household. Um, The elders of the church um, play a very important role in directing um, how the local church lives together. And so that role itself is the role of a steward, um, something that, a ro- yeah, an opportunity for service that's given by God and that you hold as a responsibility um, for the sake of other people in the church. Okay, basic implications. I'm just going to, So, stewardship is not about saving so much as using. And by saving, I guess, you could either think of that as accumulating or you could think about that as, you know, simply not using much. Um, So, there's obviously the element of avoiding waste. Um, But... Back to the original parable we opened with, he was specifically supposed to be giving food to certain people at certain times. Um, so what are we doing with whatever we have? Um Stewards of just about any role, opportunity, or ability we might have. And that's kind of my um, biggest thrust is to help us think of this as broadly as we can. Um, I'm placed where I'm at. And I'm responsible to work with the things I can work with. um, To think of a blessing. Uh, So maybe just... fuel your imagination here, but I want you to think of this in terms of your own situation in life. Um, Okay, so obviously, if you're in a formal leadership position, that's one. Um, If you have an opportunity to speak, um, that's an opportunity. Um, Any of our spiritual gifts and so on. Um, But now... Zoom that out a little bit. So what about business? And I'm not going to talk about business here in the sense of what should you do with money generated by business. Um, That's another discussion. Um, But, okay, are you an employer? Well, you exercise a certain role because you have a say in how things get done. Um, so, I remember some years ago, uh, we had a, a man at our church talking about fathers you know, being present with their children, and he talked about trying to be there, eat meals with his family, and so on. And he said, now, some of you might be thinking, I can do this because I have my own business and I set my own schedule, but he said, it's not just me," he said. "Most of the people that work in my business can also spend um, three meals a day with their family, um, because if they live close enough, he had very deliberately set up the schedule. Um, their hours were from eight to twelve and from one to five, and so if somebody lived relatively close to their close to the shop. Um, they could eat breakfast, be there by 8, take that hour at noon and be with their family. And that has struck, stuck with me, um, you know, not as the only model for a business, but as somebody who was very deliberately saying, okay, I have a certain amount of influence over people or control over people as a business owner, um, but I want to set it up in a way that's good for these employees. Um, or you might zoom it out and think more about the ability side of business. So I strongly suspect that a lot of people running small businesses could probably make more money and maybe do it a little bit easier if they you know navigate a job in corporate America and then, you know, invested their earnings um, rather than putting all the time into a small business. But I think a lot of those people are playing a very important stewardship role simply by the ability to um, create jobs, employ other people, um, put other people to good work. Um, It's a big difference between, you know, only looking for business opportunities for yourself and realizing that maybe you are an entrepreneur or manager um, by gifting and that part of what God wants you to do with that is organize things to give other people um, good places to work. Um, One example I've seen there um, that really impressed me was in the church where I was at, um, where I grew up. Uh, there was a man who very deliberately created good job opportunities um, for pastors um, that allowed them a little bit more flexibility on schedule and time and so on. Again, that's only one only one opportunity. things could go in a myriad of ways. And then I guess the real heartbeat after seeing um, how many things can come under the rubric of stewardship is, you know, the things that we have been given are given to bless the community we find ourselves in. Starting very, very close, right? Your people you're closest to, whether it's uh, me with my wife and children, whether it's Um, Friends you have, people that live very close by, um, directly in business, um, the church community, and in some cases, uh, much larger groups of people where you realize you have something that's supposed to benefit uh, this group, whether it's um, what we would call spiritual with teaching, um, whether it's organizational, whether it's um, technical with um, a new product, science scientific discovery or whatever and you know I think sometimes the up to the whole human race, I'll say that's the exciting part. though so it's not usually helpful to think about benefiting the world. It's usually much more helpful to think about benefiting the particular people we can actually influence and actually know. Um, Okay, Um, I would like to switch to the opportunity for questions there. Um, And yeah, depending how the discussion goes, I may also sprinkle in a few more stories that illustrate it.
1: Thank you, Brother Marlon. Uh, just have a question here for you, and then um, welcome questions from all of you in the audience. So you were talking about uh, the talents that we have and the, the giftings, opportunities, and so on. Um, is, it, is it possible that uh, an application from this would be that perhaps uh, rather than waiting for a call, uh, we should simply move ahead with um, opportunities and talents that we have in ways that are helpful, or why is it a proper um, response to hold these things and wait for a call, in quotes? Any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, good question. Um, I think that is part of the implication. And my mind immediately goes, okay, there's always the possibility of acting rashly and making a mess of things if we're going ahead without due diligence, maybe. But, yeah, certainly to be proactive and, I don't know, sometimes we get stuck in either, well, I'm going to do the big thing or I'm going to do nothing, Um, and that's exactly wrong right the call is always to be proactive in the ways that you can like yeah get started with what you can and with what you can see is right and actually that probably comes right out of the parable we read as well he had a specific assignment that he could get started with which was managing the food and if he did that well um, the assignment was going to become much larger so yeah if you don't see a way to move ahead with this in a large scale that's fine right start with what you can do and god can open that up into more
1: yeah thank you for that all right and uh welcome any questions or participation from the audience who will be first
3: could you elaborate on the example of the man who created uh, a job opportunities for pastors so that they could have more flexibility
2: for pastoral ministries? Yeah, so that one was obviously the right kind of job, um, but He had a sales business um, actually importing um, specialized um, machinery components. And so it was all done from the office. It was all remote shipping and so on. And I I don't know the details of the business, how he made it work. Um, But he built it very carefully, you know, expanded slowly but deliberately so that he would have – Um, places where you could offer them a living wage um, in some cases working you know four days a week instead of five days a week uh, or something like that Um, again that doesn't happen by accident right it takes it takes an exercise of some skill that not all of us would have to be able to set it up to make that work but Yeah, he did very well with it.
3: I think your comment on stewardship is not always on saving. I think that's one thing we've done really good at. Um, As Anabaptist people, we've been frugal and we know how to find a good deal and and we're always, yeah, we wouldn't want to waste our money. We've got to be good stewards. Uh, but I, the phrase I use is that money is, money greases the wheels of the relationship. And, and just blessing a, well, well, yesterday I went to the dump and, the guy's like, so how much how much garbage do you have? I said, Well, I don't know. I You tell me you're the guy in charge here. He's like, Well, I don't want to overcharge you. I said, Well, I'm not gonna complain. I mean, you just tell me and I'll pay and you know. And and I I know what it's like when I have a customer who's happy to pay what's what's asked. And you know, it's it's okay to not do someone down. It's okay to give extra to someone and to bless someone, even just in business deals. And I think that's a it's the grease that the Greece's relationship I think I think that can be good and not to be wasteful in that but it is not wasteful it's it's using your your resources for those for those purposes so that's that's one way I like to do it and I like I do a, your idea of stewardship of your employees or the people you have under you make I guess that's one of my goals with I hired someone this summer for the first time and I Uh, other than my family, and I said that's one of the goals of our business. You know, we try to set up so you can go to Bible school, you can take off to teach vacation Bible school. Uh, Those those are important things. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I like those. Um, Yeah, even something like setting up, and a lot of our employers do really well with that, is creating those kind of flexible schedules where young people can spend time in Bible school or, Um, summer jobs for school teachers that work very well with the schedule. Like, yeah, that's an aspect of thinking of your business as creating opportunities. Now, obviously, it doesn't work depending what your business is. You need steady work, um, but where you can, it's great. And, yeah, greasing the wheels of relationship. Yeah, I like that attitude. Um, Just comment there. Especially when it comes to paying other people. Um, Yeah, sometimes I think it's better. I I really have a hard time when people say, well, it's better stewardship not to pay somebody else as much. Well, the waste, think about it. The waste is doing something that's not worth doing. But if you're going to get somebody else to do it for you, um, you're not wasting anything by paying them more. Um, Okay, so let me put that and say, Let's say a restaurant. Okay, if I go to the restaurant all the time and always have somebody else, you know, cooking my food and serving me at the table, okay, maybe that would be wasteful to, you know, this person spending their whole life um, serving me at the restaurant uh, when I could cook my own food. Um, But when I do go there, I'm not wasting anything by giving them a bigger tip. I'm just moving some money from me to them. Like the real question is like, what are we doing going to be doing with our time? And if I decide that, you know, having them serve me food with their time is a worthwhile thing to do, then, um, how much I give them for doing that doesn't make it any more or less wasteful. Um, Or maybe put it the way somebody put it um, in David Adams' um, talk here. Frugal with ourselves and liberal with others will go a long ways. I liked your, oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can now. Okay,
0: good. I liked your thoughts on uh, the uh, stewardship of others as an employer. And uh, as someone in business who looks after seven or eight employees, that's something I think about a lot. And uh, especially right now with um, sort of uh, a shift in, in the economy, we're seeing um, housing prices get out of reach, especially for the younger ones who are starting out. And I just struggle with how can I, as an employer, um, other than trying to pay them as much as I possibly can afford to, you know, help them be able to get started. Maybe I was thinking through an uh, interest-free loan or a very low-interest loan to be able to help them get that down payment together because. Yeah, we're looking at <clears throat> prices that are starting at right, right around 300000 400000 So that's a pretty big bite to make when you're just young married. And yeah, I just struggle with knowing how to look after my employees and not see them move to a cheaper area. Um, while this is going on around me, 10 years ago, we bought a house for 140000 So Stuff has pretty much doubled in this area, and I—that's something that's heavy on my mind right now. Mm-hmm.
2: So when it comes to the when it comes to the solution, um, that's out of my league and out of what I feel like I can really say much about. Um, but yeah, the question is the right question um, to think about it. Um, At the same time, I guess there can be an opposite temptation of where we take too much on ourselves. Um, So, yeah, you've got the right question. I guess the caution, I feel, is don't let it burden you so much that you feel like you have to be the one to solve it. Um, but I hope that in some way that you can be and I hope that there's other people in your community or people you know that can also um, be thinking about it and especially if there's people that have a lifetime of context um, to bring to it that can yeah, think about how to address the problem, help people move forward. Um, I don't know, maybe somebody on this call has, that seems like a good place for a little bit of discussion if somebody in the call has specific thoughts. Just a thought in, in relation
3: to, uh, how we view our finances um a lot of times we uh, we have just these assumptions from years of from, from history everybody should own their own home a lot of us should have our own businesses and so on and, and sometimes i think um possibly our um, paradigm needs to shift a bit possibly as as kingdom christians it isn't that important that we each own our own home or that even a majority of us have our own businesses um I don't know. I I would love to uh, love to see my employees have their opportunities, but I don't know if that is really that important when it comes to stewardship.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's important. Um, I think this is, Maybe this is different in larger Mennonite communities, but yeah, a lot of the places where I grew up in, there was this very kind of strong expectation that everybody's running their own business. Um, So somebody that my dad worked for when he was young a little bit, and he was very, very impressed with him as a business owner. But what the guy said is, I don't want you guys to work for me all your life. I want you to have your own business. And he would work hard to help. He would give them help in getting started with that. And for a lot of people, that is a good thing. So that was a good attitude. Um, but I think sometimes we need to look a little bit more at, well, how can we actually create more good opportunities within the business and larger businesses that have multiple good jobs in them instead of thinking, well, you know, Being an employee is just a temporary stage till you get to be your own, run your own business. Um, In a way, I might say that for somebody that's really got business skills, part of that stewardship would actually be, you know, creating a larger structure that gives good opportunities for people uh, within the structure. Um, Not that there's anything wrong with being you know, the entrepreneur by yourself, sole proprietor. Um, it all depends on what God's calling you to in particular.
3: I think sometimes we convince ourselves that owning our own business uh, is beneficial to us. It gives us more time with our families and more flexibility and so on. Uh, <laughs> A forty-hour week would give me more time with my family and more flexibility than I have running my own business. Uh, we spend a lot of time in the office when you're at home, and that's that's something I'm wor- I'm consciously working on. But it's it's just it's part of it's part of owning a business.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I suppose it depends who you are, but. It's no insignificant feat if you're able to run your own business and actually have more free time than a a 40-hour-a-week job. Um, Well, Maybe I'll sprinkle one more story in here. This is a story from uh, back in the era of the Great Depression. And... It's actually the book uh, Vera's Journey. Some of you may have seen it. um, Details. uh, The story of Vera Early, who then became Vera Overholt, um, growing up in the early 1900s, and so on. But anyhow, the story is about the farmers during the Great Depression. And, of course, crop prices went to almost nothing. Um, I think it was compounded with drought. And just remember, in this case, it was uh, father-in-law and son-in-law. So the father-in-law was well-established, had the resources to obviously to ride it out. Um, his son-in-law was starting out with the farm and looking for some counsel on okay how to move ahead. And as it ended up, His father-in-law basically said, look, there's no crops to harvest. Might as well use the time to build a barn and build a new barn, um, and I'll finance it. And as it ended up, so he financed the new barn. Um, They were able to build that with timber from the farm. Uh, So they hired a crew to come in and Actually do the sawmilling on site, um, cut the lumber, um, build the barn. Um, part of the package was he basically hired his daughter to cook for these people. And the barn got built. So, OK, there's a number of things you could say there. You could say, well, OK, he's still making a loan and he's going to make money on it, which is probably true. I don't know what the interest rate was or how, the, how that was arranged. You could say, well, it's in family, and people do that for family, uh, which is also true. Um, But just compare the alternatives there. Um, he could have done nothing, in which case there would have been a bunch of people sitting around not able to do anything um, because they didn't have work. Again, not because there weren't resources to work with, but because there wasn't money um, to get people working. Um, or he could have said, hey, this is my chance to buy the farm cheap and then I'll own the farm and then after the depression I'll have a lot more acreage. Um, so it really struck me as somebody with money who who used it uh, to keep people working, um, used it to actually benefit uh, somebody else who owned was able to own the farm um, rather than – You know, cashing in on low prices and consolidating as much land and control as possible. Um, And to me, that's a real good example of, you know, business as stewardship in a broader scale.
1: Yeah, interesting story. Thank you for that. Anyone else have anything to share yet?
3: one more thing that's been that struck us this summer is is uh, we do construction, and one of our jobs we're doing is a, a needy person. Uh, she has finances, uh, but. She has, she has significant needs. And so I, I told my crew that this, this house is going to be a gift to her. Um, I mean, she's obviously she's, pay, she's paying us for it, but we're going to do this work as a gift for her and to help her. Um, I have another job that I was praying about. Do I do this or not do it? And, and it seemed like the Lord opened up those doors, and it's been kind of pain. But the Lord had us there for a reason. And when we review our work, as this is something for someone else, I am helping meet their needs or uh, it's just changed our perspective of, of how I view these jobs. Um, you know, God has us here. What's the opportunity today? I am, I'm meeting their need that they have. And it's not just about me and my crew, but it's about, it's about them. And that just, that's really changed my perspective and it's made work more fun, even on hard days.
2: Yeah, that's great. And to say the same thing applies – that applies equally when when a job is very well paid. Like it's, it's always to the Lord uh, with the sake of benefiting people, um, whether – or for the sake of benefiting other people, whether we're well paid or poorly paid, I think – neither case takes away from serving God by serving other people. Thank you.
0: So I came across a quote recently about, um, actually I posted it to the chat there. The, the quote said, a servant leader's value rests in why he does what he does, not in what he does or how much he does it, or how often he does it. And as someone who's rather ambitious and would like to change the world, I'm challenged by that. Like, is my motive Jesus? And yeah, so hopefully that can be a challenge to to the rest of you. Servant leader's value rests in why he does what he does. Not in what he does, or how often he does it.
2: Yeah, thank you.
1: All right, well, it's been um, great to be together here this morning. And thank you, Brother Marlon, for sharing and also for all the other uh, contributors here. It's been a a blessing. Uh, Marlon, would you want to just um, close us in a prayer?
2: Let's pray. Um, Dear God, thank you for this morning and uh, the opportunity to uh, be together here. um, People whom... uh, At least, I don't know most of these people um, outside of a few contacts here and there, Um, but I thank you for um, each man here. Thank you for uh, what you have given them and the places you have put them. And so we just ask for grace to do everything we do um, as to you. Uh, We ask you to take care of us and commit ourselves into your hands. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen, thank you. All right, so just um, one announcement here yet, and uh, that is what our meeting is planned for, for next week. Uh, the meeting next week is going to be hosted by Dwight Nisley. Uh, many of you may uh, know his name. He was also at Kingdom Fellowship Weekend. Uh, this past um, August and uh, that will be called Patriotic Ambassadors Politics, Culture and Kingdom Church Planting so Strength to Strength is actually starting a series that's called Patriotic Ambassadors and this will be the opening um, presentation on that theme so uh, you're all welcome back there uh, again next week and again thank you Marlon for joining us this morning and um, Lord bless your day as
0: iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance
1: of his friend.